Normally I don't delve into local regional politics, but I have no choice tonight but to delve into local Canadian politics, local Quebec politics, because something has happened just a couple of weeks before Passover that we must talk about and we can't ignore. It is, it is unbelievable, it's mind-boggling that this is happening and it's something that we must talk about and, and, and it's a, actually a national lesson, it's a, it's, a, it's a universal lesson that we have to learn from this. But it deals specifically with a regional law that's being passed in Quebec. Now, of course, this show is based in Quebec, and uh, we are directly affected by the laws passed by the Quebec government. And this is why I have to bring it up. So for those of you who don't live in Quebec, let this be a lesson to you while you listen to the show and you understand that this can happen anywhere. It's happening in Quebec right now, but it can happen anywhere. There is a new religion. There is a religion that has uh, sprouted up uh, over the last, uh, I'd say, last 40, 50 years called secularism. 
Now, it is secularism religion, and it is a religion. It's a cult. It's the cult of secularism. This cult has grown out of a disenfranch a disenchantment, a dis a dis a disassociation with with organized religion. So, essentially, what this uh, what this cult of secularism does is it takes it takes everything that's good about religion and throws it in the garbage, and it highlights everything that's bad about religion, and it tries to convince people that religion is no good, and religious symbols are no good, and people wearing religious symbols are no good. A couple of years ago, the Quebec government had a um, had a commission. They had a government-sponsored commission. This is almost unbelievable to think that this happened in a democratic nation, but it did. A government-sponsored commission to talk about reasonable accommodation. How will they reasonably accommodate? How how will the government allow reasonable accommodation to other other to others? This is a democratic country. We this is Canada, and this is Quebec in Canada. So how how will the Quebec government allow reasonable accommodation to others? So first of all, the whole premise is racist to start with. It is us against them. This is the uh, this is the whole mindset. It's a totally racist mindset. Now I understand the separation of church and state, and that doesn't bother me at all. I, I do not believe that uh, church or, or or religion should have anything to do with the with the running of the state in a Western civilized country, with the exception of Israel. That's that's a that's an exception. We can talk about that some other time. But in Western civilization, I understand the separation of church and state, and I understand that church and state should not be combined. But we also have to realize that there are immigrants from all over the world who come and live in different countries, and they bring their religions with them. Now, what is a reasonable accommodation? When when you talk about reasonable accommodation, what you are saying is that my secularism is superior to your religiosity. And therefore, I somehow have to bend over backwards. I somehow have to have to appease myself, have to appease you by bending over backwards and granting you the right to practice your religion. And this I have to do, and, and this I have to do. But how much do I have to do this? Right? It's a pain in the butt for me to be able to do this to you. This is what reasonable accommodation means: is that we don't accept you as as what you are. We don't accept your traditions or your or your culture, or anything else about you. We don't, we don't like you. But okay, fine, fine. We'll, we'll let you do some of the stuff. That's reasonable accommodation. And that's inherently racist. It's absolutely wrong, and it should be condemned from coast to coast, from country to country, right around the world. That's a condemnable attitude to have against people, citizens living in your country. Now, what pisses me off about this is that I am a, I, I'm a Jew. I am an Orthodox Jew. And I've lived in Quebec my entire life. I was born and raised in Quebec. I was born in Montreal and raised in Montreal. I am no different. I am not a different Quebecer than a guy raised in Ramouski or a guy raised in Quebec City or a guy raised anywhere else. My rights to call myself a Quebecer are the exact same as anybody born anywhere else in Quebec. I was born here and I was raised here. And I've lived here my entire life. I've never lived anywhere else. So, taking that into account, and I, I speak a fluent French. Not that that really should matter. But taking all that into account, I wear a keep on my head. And because I wear that keep on my head, I wear a yarmulke. Because I wear the yarmulke, I am another. 
and I'm treated like another. So I just spent four years of my life studying to be a teacher. Uh, four years of my life I spent uh, getting a Bachelor of Education. I have th- two other degrees and, and a certificate, but I went to get a Bachelor of Education so I could be a teacher in this province. I could be a teacher in, in, in Quebec. The proposed Bill 21, it hasn't passed as law yet, but it, it it's probably will. This proposed law will stop me from becoming a teacher in this province, at least teaching in public schools. It will not allow me to wear my kippah, my yarmulke, as I teach in a private school, in a public school. Private schools is a different story, in a public school. I will not be able to hold a government job. I will not be able to work in any kind of contract for the government, nor will I ever be able to, uh, to be part of the government because of my religious affiliation, because I wear a yarmulke. Now, not only me, my Sikh friends won't be able to wear their turbans while serving as police officers or lawyers or judges or, or teachers. My Muslim friends will not be able to wear a hijab while doing this. This is discriminatory. It's a discriminatory law. It is a law that, that separates society based on class and makes religious people second-class citizens and takes away equal rights from people uh, who ha- should have equal rights in the province. And it is 100% wrong. And the fact that not more people are, are yelling and screaming about this, that there aren't more people up in arms about this, is, is really disturbing. It's really, really disturbing. And, um, and I, w- I would figure that more people would be coming out screaming about this. But the suburban newspaper, which is usually on the front end of, um, of fighting this kind of discrimination, is usually on the front end of, uh, of battling this out, uh, came out in support of this law, saying they understood the uh, concept of separating church and state, and uh, they went back to James Madison, and, uh, and the editor of the Suburban wrote a whole long piece. You can look it up on the suburban.com's website. So if, once the media accepts it, and we, we all know this, this is a standard procedure, once the media accepts it, and the Anglo media, and the, uh, the media that usually stands up for the underdog, and the media that usually stands up for human rights, once they're accepting a law like this, that law is definitely going to pass, and people aren't going to get riled up. And it's really, it's really, really scary. It is. I, I've said it more than once, and I'll say it publicly right here on this radio show, that if I am working somewhere and the government comes and tells me I must take off my yarmulke, they will have to fire me and drag me out of there by my hair because there's no way in hell I'm ever going to take it off. Period. I do not remove my yarmulke for anything. I have been in very, very uh, dangerous situations and worn my yarmulke proudly. I am a proud Jew. I am a, I am a strong, proud Jew. And I will never, ever, ever remove my yarmulke. Ever. So those of you who don't like it, those of you who want to pass laws against it, those of you who want to, who want to start a fight, well, fight is on. You will never, ever get me to remove my yarmulke. You could fire me. You could arrest me. You could throw me into jail. And I will keep it on my head. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Feel free to call in. one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 We'll take a little break. When we come back, 
The Howie Silberg Show continues right here on the True Talk Radio Network.
Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. And that's not a horrific idea. Give me a call. 1-877-669-1292 to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So happy to be with you. Uh, this is the last show we're doing before Passover. We're going to take a couple of weeks off for Passover, and then we'll be back right after. Um, but it is, uh, it is amazing to be here tonight. And the reason it's amazing is because uh, Passover is, is, is but a week away. And uh, a little more than a, a little over a week away. And... I, I look around and I, I try to see miracles in the world today. Now, with all the political problems we're having here in Quebec, as I uh, as I talked about at the beginning of the show, 
uh, I, I try to I try to find the good stuff happening in the world today. The miracles happening in the world. The the stuff that's going to um, that's going to make me a believer, even even stronger believer than I already am. Uh, of course, because of course, around Passover time, all we do is talk about miracles, the God's miraculous, uh, God's miraculous exodus of the Jews from uh, slavery in Egypt, the miraculous giving of the Torah to the Jews of the Jewish Bible to the Jews on Mount Sinai, the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea, the miraculous, miraculous winning of the state of of the of the land of Israel. And the taking over of the Jewish land, the promised land, from God. And, and we, we hear about all these miracles. And you wonder sometimes, what, what, what about the miracles today? What's going on today that would be miraculous, that we could look at and say, my gosh, I remember the Passover story because that's our obligation. We have to remember the Passover story. We have to remember that we were slaves and that we were redeemed by God from slavery. That is something that, uh, that we must remember. That's, that's the essence of Passover. But on top of that, we must also remember, we must also look around and see the miracles that exist in the world today and how we can continue to spread the light to the nations of the world today. How can we continue the Passover story? How can we take it and move forward with it and take it one step forward and take it one step above what it is right now? Is there a way we could do this? And of course there is. There always is a way to do something. If you really want to do something, there is a way to do it. Are we really free from slavery? That, that is really the question that we have to ask ourselves. When we take a look at the, at, at the, um, at the Passover story and says God freed the Jews from slavery in Egypt, uh, we assume that the slavery in Egypt was physical slavery, that they were forced to, to be physical slaves, to, to build, to build uh, the pyramids and to build uh, Egypt and to build different cities in, in Egypt. Although it's questionable whether the Jews built the pyramids or not, well, it's irrelevant. We, we always assumed that the Jews were, spirit, were, were, were physical slaves. But is it possible that the Jews were, phys- were spiritual slaves? That spiritually they bought into the Egypt uh, philosophy? Well, think about it for a second. They say only a third of the Jews that lived, a third of the Hebrews that lived in Israel, because they weren't Jews yet when they left. They became Jews at Mount Sinai when they, when they got the Torah from God. So they say only a third of the Hebrews left Egypt with Moses. Only a third. And what's really interesting is that after the creation of the state of Israel, only a third of the Jews living outside the state of Israel moved to the state of Israel. It's interesting. The number is interesting that, uh, that a third of the Jews left Egypt and a third of the Jews uh, went to Israel when Israel became a country. I am... Um, So thinking, thinking about this and, and really believing this is, 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 is mind-blowing when you think about it. It really is. So here we, have, um, here we have a situation where we have a Jewish state. And the state only recently declared themselves a Jewish state. Before that, they weren't legally a Jewish state. But now they're legally a Jewish state. Jerusalem is the capital of this Jewish state. It was the capital of Israel 3,000 years ago. It was the capital of Israel 1,600 years before the birth of Islam and is the capital of Israel today. And it is, it is fascinating that there are Jews living in the world, myself included, and I'll put myself in the same category. There are Jews living in the world who have not made their way back to Israel. 
it's fascinating that we all buy into spiritual slavery. Now, we all live in the spiritual slavery. Now, we're addicted to the Western style of life. We're addicted to a Western lifestyle. We're addicted to the peace and freedom that we feel living in the West. Although it may not be real, we may be duping ourselves. We may be, uh, we may be convincing ourselves that something is real that isn't real. When you think about this law that I was talking about that's being passed in Quebec, you realize that your freedoms, that the freedoms that we were given with the exodus of Egypt, that the freedoms we're supposed to be celebrating may be limited, that the spiritual slavery continues because we are slaves to society, we are slaves to the places we live, we are slaves to work, we are slaves to entertainment. Remember a while back I did a show about uh, the Ten Commandments and are we really following the Ten Commandments today? And my conclusion was that no, no, society is not following the Ten Commandments today, that uh, society still worships worships idols. Just take a look at the entertainment industry. Society worships idols. And that, uh, that we still covet our neighbor's goods. We still cheat and we steal and we murder and we, uh, we do all the other stuff. And, and we live in a godless society. So even, even the whole concept of there's only one God is, is gone. Society is, is in the gutter. Now we're coming up to Passover. And Passover, we're supposed to remember the exodus from Israel. But how do you remember the exodus of Israel? How does that mean anything to somebody who lives in a godless society? How does that mean anything to somebody who, who could tell me, who could look at me and say to me, hey, Howie, I'm an atheist Jew, whatever the hell that means. It's an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. But, but when someone looks at me and says, Howie, I'm an atheist Jew. Uh, I, I'm a Jew guy who doesn't believe in God, which is, which is stupid, but whatever. Um, how does someone like that who tells me, I'm a Jew who doesn't believe in God, but I'm going to a Pesach Seder. Well, why, why would you be going to a Pesach Seder? Uh, I don't understand the concept. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a very intelligent, I like to think I'm a very intelligent guy. People tell me I'm intelligent, and uh, I tend to believe them. When people tell me stuff, I tend to believe them. Uh, I, don't give pe- I give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I don't automatically um, assume that somebody's lying to me, unless there's reason for me to assume that somebody's lying to me. I assume that when people tell me stuff, the stuff they tell me is true. So when someone tells me that I, I'm a Jew who doesn't believe in God, which makes them not a Jew, uh, okay, whatever, and, and then they tell me uh, I'm going to a Pesach Seder, I, I scratch my head a little bit because it doesn't make any sense. Why would you go to a, to a gathering where the purpose of the gathering is to commemorate God taking the Jews out of Egypt and bringing them to the Holy Land, bringing them to redemption in the Holy Land. Why would you go to an event like that if you don't believe in God? It makes no sense. It's, it's totally illogical. And this is where, and this is where, the, this is where the, the, the fight between spiritual slavery and true freedom comes in. Can we truly be free when we're still spiritual slaves? And I don't think we can. And I think that most people will agree that spiritual slavery is there, 
and that we all suffer from this kind of spiritual slavery. Now, you could disagree with me, and I, I would appreciate if you do disagree with me. Give me a call at one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. We could talk about it on the air. I'd love to talk to you. My name is Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation right here on the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Come Seder with us at home. Come Seder with us here with the family. The morrow will be so strong. No fear. Roset will dip along. Come Seder with us, Misubin. Come lean to the side, left on the furniture. We have so much wine to spare. Who wants more? Matzah, there's lots to share. You'll have a chance to read the history of harder days. Pharaoh made us slaves, that louse. And thanks to his misdeeds, we weren't freed. He got the bill. Now let's drink four cups in the house. Come Seder with us, so late. You're coming along, you must. And after all the Afi Komen we can eat, the Seder is best here with us. Come Seder with us. At home. Come Seder with us. Here with the family. The moral will be so strong. No fear. Rosa will dip along. Come Seder with us. Come lean to the side. Left on the furniture. We have so much wine to spare. Hey, look, there's a pillow on every chair. We will sing the Hisha Amda with sincerity. Spill wine purposely. Close call. Say hi to Eliyahu Hanavi walking in. Take a sip in front of all. Come Seder with us real late. You're coming along, you must And after all the recitations we can sing The Seder is best, here with us The Seder is best, at home The moral will be so strong Remember the Mitsubin The pillow is on the chair and we will tell the story how they worked as hard those days. We were really slaves. Build now. When God split the sea, Pharaoh did not have free will. The angel passed over the house. The Seder will end real late. We really did have a press. But after all the recitation, we can stay. Seder with us at home. Come Seder with us here with the family. The morrow will be so strong. No fear. Rosa will dip along. Come Seder with us. Misubin. Come Seder with us. Left on the furniture. We have so much wine to spare. Who wants more? Matzah is lots to share. You'll have a chance to read the history of harder days. Pharaoh made us slaves, that louse. And thanks to his misdeeds, we weren't greedy. Got the bill. Now let's drink four cups in the house. The Seder will end real late. 
You're coming along, you must. And after all the Afi Coleman, we can eat the Seder's best. Here with us. Okay, and we're back. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Dear A.B., we have another request to read that letter from the young lady in the five towns who calls herself Had It in Hewlett. So here it is once again. She writes, At first I was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking I would have no time no matter how I tried. I'd never make those Seder nights, everything was going wrong, but I grew strong. And I learned how to move along, my smile was back, back on my face. I got a cleaning crew to come to me and straighten up the place And so that energetic trio went from room to room with me Till every corner of my house was absolutely chametz free But then I froze, I got the news He invited all the in-laws and I almost blew a fuse I don't know how to use a pot, I couldn't cook to save my life If they're expecting to be fed, he'd better find another wife But now I know, I'll be alright So long as I got cash, we'll have a Seder Pesach night I got a number from the book, I hired two people who can cook So I'll survive, I will survive show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. And welcome back to the program. My name is Howie Silberger. 
We are live until 9 o'clock tonight, and you could call in. Numbers to call, one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 We are, um, uh, my, my, some of you have texted me already and asked me, where is, uh, your intrepid reporter from Toronto, Mr. Mark David, and your long-suffering producer, Mr. Sheldon Eric Fried, and they are both taking the night off. They, um, they, they deserve a rest, and so I am here solo, alone with you. And I invite you to join me on the air at one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 It's the number to call to talk to me right here on the air here on the Howie Silberger Show. Uh, this is the last show we're doing before Passover. And then we're going to take a couple of weeks off and we'll be back after Passover. Uh, but, um, but we're here tonight, so don't worry. You'll get your fix at the Howie Silberger Show tonight. You'll take a couple of weeks off. You can listen to some of the old episodes, and then you'll come back in a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll be back again with some new episodes of the Howie Silberger Show. Spiritual slavery. God said that he was going to take the Jews and bring them out of slavery. He was going to redeem the Jews from slavery, and he made the promise that uh, Jews would not be slaved again. This, This was the promise he made. But we did see Jews get enslaved again. We saw them get enslaved spiritually. And it continues till today. So uh, before the break, we were talking about um, we we're talking about a Jew who told me a Jew who who says that he's not that, he's, uh, that he doesn't believe in God. He's Jewish, but he doesn't believe in God, which I say is not Jewish. But okay, we'll use that. That's that's an argument for another show. So a Jew who says he doesn't believe in God, yet goes to a Passover seder, tells me that he does believe in God. That that means he believes in God. Because the idea of a Passover Seder, the, the idea of the gathering and the remembering of the exodus of the Jews from Egypt is the essence of Passover. So by celebrating Passover, you are acknowledging automatically that God exists. So if you're a Jew who doesn't believe in God and you go to a Passover Seder, then you are acknowledging the Passover, that, that God exists and you're recognizing the miracle of Passover. Now you could say, oh, I'm just following Jewish tradition, but why would you do that? You see, the whole thing is oxymoronic, and, and, and really, the, uh, the whole concept of a Jewish atheist, the whole concept of a non-practicing Jew, is, is really strange, and it's unique to the Jewish people. Uh, you have Catholics, uh, you have Catholics, either they're Catholic or they're, they're, they're not. Uh, you have Muslims, either they're Muslims or they're not. Jews seem to want to hold on to that connection to Judaism. They seem to want to be Jews, but they don't want to practice Judaism. It is an extremely strange and weird phenomenon. I don't, I don't quite understand it. I don't understand the philosophy behind it. I know Jews have a, a, a long, long, long history of oppression and that the connection that Jews feel to Judaism is a very strong connection. I, I get that. But I don't understand that the Jews who want to hold on to that connection to Judaism and yet want to live a secular, assimilated lifestyle. I don't get it. And if you're a secular Jew, please don't take offense. I just don't understand it. And that's why I have open lines, and I invite you to call in to explain it to me. So if you could explain it to me, and you could, you could explain to me why you'd want to be on and, and you're able to take the questions without being a snowflake and start crying and hanging up on me. If you're able to take the questions, I have a whole lot of questions. I want to ask a Jew who tells me they are atheist, but still Jewish, or, 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 or they're a non-practicing Jew, uh, there's a lot of questions I want to ask you 
about why you are a non-practicing Jew and, and why you want to keep that connection to Judaism. So if you want to call in, if, you, if you're listening and you, and, you, and you are one of those Jews and you want to call in, feel free. one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 I would love to talk to you about this. I'd love to talk to you on the air about this. I'd love to talk to you off the air about that. I'd love to talk to you about this. And, and if you're listening to the podcast after the show has aired already, because the show airs on Sunday nights, so if you're listening anytime that's not a Sunday night, uh, when we're alive on the air, uh, you can email me, howie at truetalkradio.com, and I can get you onto a future show, because I'd love to talk to you about this. Because it fascinates me that there are Jews out there who, who want to hold on to that, that Judaism. They want to hold on to their, their, their connection to Judaism. I'm a proud Jew, they tell me, but I don't believe in God. Uh, and, and it doesn't make sense. It, it's, it's totally logical to me. Now, I've, I've put out this call before, and I've asked people before to, to contact me and perhaps talk to me about this, and I haven't gotten any takers. Because I don't think that people who, who associate themselves with Judaism, but, but not with God, really could explain their situation. They can't really explain it. Because it doesn't make any sense, so, so it's hard for them to explain it. But, but if you're one of those people, please don't take offense to anything I say. I'd love to talk to you. So, so please feel free to call me, and we could talk about it. Or, or email me, and we could talk about it. Uh, we'd just love to, uh, I'd just love to talk to you about it. It's like saying I'm pro-Israel, but I hate Israelis. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. We are heard live every Sunday night from uh, 7 to 9 p.m. Right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Tell your family, tell your friends. Don't forget to visit truetalkradio.com and download the app. And, uh, and you can listen to the uh, Howie Silberger Show live uh, through the app. Uh, if you miss any part of the show, the show is podcasted. And you can uh, grab the podcast from any of your favorite podcasting services. We're listed on pretty much all of them. If we're not listed on one, go look at another one. But we're listed everywhere, including the Apple Store and the uh, the iTunes Store and the um, and the Android Store. So we're, we're listed almost everywhere. Google Play, um, uh, pretty much everywhere. So uh, feel free to uh, to to subscribe to the podcast, to uh, download it. You can download the podcast by going to talkradio.com and uh, just clicking on um, Howie Silberger Show Archives, and all the shows are there. And you could uh, you could download, you could listen online. There's a lot of ways you could listen to the show. But tell your family, tell your friends, download the app, be part of the Howie Silberger Show experience right here on the True Talk Radio Network. And don't forget, on Facebook, like us on Facebook. We, we, we appreciate when you like us on Facebook. And uh, all the information about the show. I, I, get, I get text messages every now and then and uh, me- Facebook messages almost every week asking me, is the show live this week and what are you talking about and, and uh, what time is the show and all sorts of stuff. Uh, is the archive up? Uh, you know, are you, can I listen to it online? All these questions come to me <laughs> throughout the week. And to tell you the truth, they, they get quite annoying sometimes because the information is right there on the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook. So if you're sending me a Facebook message asking me if the show is on this week and if we're live this week or where you could find the, where you could find the, um, the archive of the show or what topic we're talking about or any of those kind of questions, if you're sending me messages asking me those questions, that means you have not checked the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook because all the information is there. So just if, if, you have, if, if you get a hankering for the Howie Silberger Show in the middle of the day and you say, darn it, I wonder if he's on tonight. I really like to know what's going on. 
Uh, go to the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook and all the information that you ever want about the Howie Silberger Show. Uh, all the up-to-date information is on the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook. So don't forget to like that page. And you'll get the updates. And if you don't get the updates, just go visit that page and you'll get all the information you ever need uh, on whether the show is on this week and uh, what we're talking about and who my guests are and uh, all the other stuff. So feel free to visit the Howie Silberger Show page and like it on Facebook, please. Let me give you the numbers again in case you want to uh, call in. Numbers are one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 now let's uh let's let's ask this question. Let's ask this question. If we commemorate Passover and uh, and we do it properly and we we remember we recreate the exodus from Egypt uh, in our minds and in our homes and we we do it correctly and we we do everything the way we're supposed to be doing it. If we do that, how does it help us live our lives today? And this is something we have to ask and something we have to understand. How does it help us live our lives today? And there, there is an answer to that, which I will get to after this short break. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Once again, the number is to call, one 669 1292 
said We were all just prisoners there But now isn't this nice Now that we're out of danger We'll gather for the feast We once feared for all our lives But they can't kill our beliefs One more thing to remember Eliyahu's at the door He'll join us in our passage back To the place we were before While we relax on our left side We are destined to be free Have your Seder any place you like It doesn't have to be It's a hotel in California My whole family could be Whole family could be Anywhere with me Living in a better hotel in California Or at the Nevely At the Nevely Just as long as we're free The Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. I'm Howie Silbiger. Let me give you that number again. one 877 669 That's 1-877-669-1292. So just before the break, I asked you, how do we apply the Passover, the Passover experience, how do we apply the lessons of Passover to our daily life? I wanted to share a story with you that I, uh, that I found a while ago, and I, I was saving it for this show. And uh, it, it talks about three men. All of them are prisoners in a Nazi concentration camp. But none of them could think of anything but the imminent festival of Passover. And thousands of Jews, including their own relatives, were being sent to their deaths on a daily basis. Yaakov Friedman, Moishe Goldstein, and Rabbi Yechiskiel Haberstam, who was the Klausenberger Rebbe, had the bravery and presence of mind to secure matzah for Passover in 1945. Moshe Goldstein survived the war, and, here's, and this is his account of the amazing turn of events that afforded them the ability to observe the Festival of Freedom amidst abysmal suffering and death. In the days preceding Passover, wrote Moshe Goldstein, the war was nearing its end. The relentless droning of American aircraft filled the German skies, followed by the whistling hail of bombs that pounded the Moldorf railway complex into rubble. Spared of the destruction were the nearby forced labor camps where we toiled under the harshest conditions. We prisoners celebrated this mighty display of Allied destruction, but the anxiety of our German overseers ran high. The railway was vital to the war effort, and orders were issued to immediately repair the damage. The Germans decided to send a group of 12 Jewish slaves to begin the cleanup. I volunteered to go. I knew the work would be excruciating, but I hoped that perhaps I would find some food amidst the rubble. We arrived at the scene of utter destruction. Freight cars lay on their sides, smoke rising from gaping holes. Stretches of railing were ripped from the ground and tossed aside in twisted heaps. 
Nearly every building suffered extensive damage. It was clear some of the cars were unrepairable. I managed to disappear between the rows of trains that were still upright. It took a while, but I eventually found a boxcar from Hungary loaded with wheat in burlap sacks. Wheat! And so close to Pesach. God had granted us a good start, but how could I possibly smuggle the wheat into the camp? A faint groan amid the wheat sacks caught my attention. There, in the dark corner of the boxcar, lay a man, crushed by the enormous weight of the grain. The man mumbled something more, which I recognized as Hungarian, my native tongue. I saw he wore the gray uniform of an SS officer. What happened, I asked. The SS officer moaned weakly about being pinned under the sacks. I understand. Let me help you. As I approached, I noticed the officer's boots. Deep black in color and luxurious in appearance. On my own were bits of tattered leather, barely held together. I'm going to take off your shoes, I said. That way you'll feel less restrained. And then we'll see what we could do. Once I had undone the laces, I slipped the heavy boots off. Then, wielding whatever strength I, I ha- uh, and hate I could muster, I swung at the man's head. I took the boots and continued my search. I knew that I did not have much time, and I needed to think of a way to bring in as much wheat as possible without the guards knowing. Lugging the sack through the main gates didn't even occur to me. The wheat would be confiscated, and I would be shocked without a second thought. I rummaged around some more and discovered two pairs of pants. I put them on and cinched the bottoms around my ankles with some rope. I was then able to pour a small quantity of wheat into the space between the two pairs of pants. Once my legs were filled with as much wheat as I dared carry, I began the long walk back to the camp. The bombings left the Germans rattled and fearful, and for the initial days following the air raid, the inspection of prisoner at camp gates was enforced almost half-heartedly. I was thus able to smuggle in a fairly large amount of wheat. We had wheat, but now what? Reb Sender Dyrenfeld, a fellow inmate and a Belzer Chassid, offered to hide the wheat, and amazingly he managed to keep it away from prying German eyes. Later, an old mill was procured from somewhere. We ground the wheat in the dead of night, and using clean piece of cloth, we sifted the flour from grit. Next, we needed fuel for a fire. During one stint in the field, I asked everyone to find a stick and carry it back to the camp. The branches were conspicuous and caught the attention of a German guard. He, mentioned, he motioned me over. Why is everyone with a stick? What difference does it make? People will want to walk around with a stick, I answered. We had flour, we had fuel. We were now ready to bake matzah. One night, just before Passover, we set about baking matzah. Near the barrack door stood a prisoner, standing guard with fearful eyes. We lit a fire under the metal can, which functioned as our oven, and the matzah baking under Nazi noses began. The Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov, and I mixed the flour and kneaded the dough. We looked, we worked quickly, not only because of the strict 18-minute limit, but also because of the ever-present danger being caught. We ended up with 20 small matzahs. On Pesach Eve, after returning from work, our small group sat down for the Seder. On wooden slats around us lay sleeping bodies, exhausted from relentless work. For those celebrating the hardships of the Holocaust and daily camp life melted away as we experienced a biblical redemption from Egypt. Unable to sit for long, we each ate an olive-sized pizza matzah, the taste of tears mingling with the matzah crumbs in our mouths. We could not sit leisurely and recite the Haggadah, but in those moments we each prayed more fervently than ever before or ever since. The words that still ring in my ear. Next year in Jerusalem. So this was uh, this was an account of how they baked matzah in a Nazi labor camp by Moshe Goldstein, who was there with Yaakov Friedman and Rabbi Yechiskiel Haberstam, who's the Klausenberger Rebbe, and how they had the bravery and the and the and the gumption to make 
matzah in a Nazi concentration camp. So I think about these guys. I think about these guys sitting in a concentration camp and worrying about where they were going to get matzah for Passover and how they were going to smuggle and, and, and create matzah and bake it. And I think about them putting their lives on the line because of the importance of celebrating Passover and remembering the exodus of the Jews from Egypt, the, the freedom of slavery while they themselves were slaves. When you think about that, I don't pay any attention to the, to the person who tells me that uh, Passover is just a scam. Look at the price of kosher food. What a scam. These people had true conviction. They believed in God. They believed in the religion. They believed. They had faith. They're inspirational people. How inspiring is it that Jews living in a concentration camp put their lives on, on, on the line so they could have a little bit of matzah and experience some of the discomfort of Passover? I shrug my shoulders when people complain today, living in their million-dollar luxurious homes, and they complain that, oh, we have to eat matzah for eight days. Too damn bad. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Feel free to call in, one 669 That's one 669 1292 We'll take a little break. When we come back, the show continues right here on the True Talk Radio Network.
Nathan Levy was raised in a suburbia tree. He never met his great great grandfather, a saving whom he'd never seen. He was going through the attic on one of those days of rain when he found a dainty bent old cup that seemed to be The cop told a story of different time, time of silver antiquity, brimming with wine of a nation's tradition that for centuries endured, and the words that were said that he'd never. And let my people go The Torah we received To show us the way Keep the Torah Throughout your days We were slaves in Egypt long ago Lenny, I can't tell a story in 90 seconds. Okay, 85. I'm, do, I'm doing it. We're rolling. History. Little kid, seven years old, wants to buy himself a present for his bar mitzvah. Mom and dad don't have a lot of money, gets a little piggy bank, starts saving up his money. Nickels, dimes, quarters. Bar mitzvah, 13 years old, goes to the neighborhood store and says, I want to buy myself a present, Mr. Storekeeper. He says, kid, what do you want? I want, I want that big red kite behind you. That's what I want to buy. You have enough money, kid? Sure, I have enough money, no problem. Takes out his piggy bank, puts it on the counter, empties it out. Nickels, dimes, quarters, has exactly the right amount of money to buy his kite for his bar mitzvah. Little money left over, buys some string, goes to a neighborhood park, ties the kite onto the string and begins to fly it. Happiest kid in the world. And he lets out a little more string and a little more string and the kite goes higher and the wind lifts it up. And he starts running outside of the park in front of the 100 bus in Van Cortland Park, Riverdale, New York, part of the Bronx, and more and more kite and more and more string until you can't even see the kite anymore. It looks like a little kid just running with string. And a wise old man who thought it was really wise stops the kid and says, Kid, what are you doing here, running around with string in your hand? He says, Oh man, I'm not running with string, I'm flying a kite. Kid, how do you know there's a kite there? You can't see it, no one can see it. Old man said that little Jewish kid, I know there's a kite because I can feel the tug. And that's what it's all about. That tug, that tug that each one of us feels that says, I'm proud to be a Jew. I know what it means to be a Jew. And if I don't, it's worth my time to find out. Jews are a family. Any time of the day, any time of the night, there's another Jew who feels the same tug. And that's what makes us special.
On Passover, the second night, it starts, he said to me. The Omer is counted for seven weeks, you see. Between Pesach and Shavuot, you know mathematically there must be 49 days to count the Omer. He said the reason for this habitual device, the 16th day of Nisan was the Omer sacrifice. After this, we just take the Torah's good advice. There must be 49 days to count the Omer. 49 days to count the Omer. After it start, Mark, at the end of my reef, Steve, do it in shul, shmuel, just count with me. Look for the stars, Tamar, just be sure to make the bracha. Arab is the key, Steve, count steer with me. After it's dark, Mark, at the end of my reef, Steve, do it in shul, shmuel. Just count with me Look for the stars, Tamar Just be sure to make the bracha Erev is the key, it's me Count Sphira with me Rav Akiva's students started dying one by one Cause having no respect can even hurt the Talmud Chacham So till day 33 No haircuts can be done in the 49 days of the Omer If on an evening you forgot to count Well do not fret Say it the next morning without a blessing And you're set But forgetting the next day And counting next year's all you get In the 49 days of the Omer 49 days of the Omer After it's dark, Mark the end of my reef, Steve. Do it in shul, shmuel. Just count with me. Look for the stars, Tamar. Just be sure to make the bracha. Erev is the key, Steve. Count steer with me. After it's dark, Mark. At the end of my reef, Steve. Do it in shul, shmuel. Just count with me. Look for the stars, Tamar. Just be sure to make the bracha. Erev is the key to me. Count Sphira with me. Hi, I'm JJ Greenberg, and welcome to Good Shabbos America. For our lead story tonight, we go straight to our overseas correspondent, Nahum the K, reporting live from somewhere in the Mediterranean. Nahum? Thank you, JJ. We're deep in the labyrinths of the famous Schlockrock Caverns, where it is believed that Schlockrock songs were written during the time of Abraham. We've uncovered an audio tape of four ancient Schlockrock songs that never quite made it. We've titled them The Four Questionables. So here, ladies and gentlemen, if you will, is a recreation of what might have gone on in the vaults of the Schlockrock Laboratories. Okay, Lenny, baby, what we're looking for is a Passover song. All right, I hear you. I think I got one. What do you think of this? Matzah, matzah, man. I'd like to be a matzah man. Be a matzah, matzah man. Would you like to eat some matzah? Matzah, gonna need that matzah man. 
Disco's never coming back. Something else, baby. All right, all right. What, what about this? I got something a little bit schmaltzier. Hit it, boys. When this hype hits your mouth like a truck from the south, that's amaro. When your mouth is in pain because you tasted raw grain, that's amaro. When your face is all red because it's gone to your head, that's amaro. When you feel all famished, want to drink like a fish, that's amaro. No, no, Lenny, what do you think this is, Caesars? Another direction, baby. All right, all right, how about a little bit of soul, rhythm and blues, something like this. I feel coming, the metal monster is broken. A tough one, a tough one, a break it in two. No, 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 that'll never work. I give up. All right, all right, don't give up, boss, don't give up. I got one more idea. It's crazy, but it just might work. Hello my friends, my name is Manishtana Say tonight I'm read by a katana Up on a chair, and if you dare I'll sing the songs and then we'll see how you fare When I'm done, start the fun Tell me the story of Pesach, Matzah and Manishtana No, cut, cut, cut That's the stupidest song I ever heard It'll never make it And what's with those hand motions? Alright, alright, maybe we should sell it I got a buyer out of Spain Lenny, that's the best idea you've had yet. No, no, but wait, what about this? All my levin I will sell to you. All my levin sell to a non-Jew. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the four questionables, a tribute to the daily struggle which has gone on from ancient times to compose the perfect schlockrock song. And now back to you, JJ. Thank you, Nachum. Well, that's it for Good Shabbos America. And to all you folks out there, after more than a decade of schlocking, be good, be cool, be Jewish. This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. And we have to thank our good friend Lenny Solomon of Schlock Rock for giving us uh, permission to use some of his music tonight. Uh, and every every show here on the Howie Silberger Show, Lenny is a, a good friend of the show, and uh, we appreciate him allowing us to use his music on the show. It's very hard to find Pesach music that uh, that's interesting, that's English, and that uh, that's fun to listen to. So I'm uh, I'm very happy that um, that Lenny allowed us to use some of his um, some of his music on the show. Uh, I'm not sure. I have very many more Pesach songs. I have a few. So we'll see if we could finish off the show with some Pesach music. Um, but 
as you can well imagine, uh, there aren't very many Pesach songs. So I have a few. I have one that looks like a Pesach song. I'm not sure if it is. We'll play it and we'll find out, right? But uh, there's a couple more stories I wanted to share with you. Uh, just to try to get into the mindset and the mood for Passover. It was the morning before Passover 2016, and preparations were in high gear. The Goldberg family, residents of a small town in Israel's north, planned to spend holidays with relatives in Modin, a city located between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Helped by her older son, Mrs. Goldberg bustled around the kitchen, cooking up a storm for the extended family who would be joining them in Moedin. There would be 35 of them in total. Meanwhile, Mr. Goldberg piled the rest of the children into the car and set out to Moedin with the family's luggage in the trunk, under the children's feet and anywhere else it would fit. It was already late in the afternoon when the cooking was finished and the mother and son finally left for Moedin in the family's second vehicle. To their consternation, there had been an accident on the road and traffic crawled along at a snail's pace. The sun was about to set, and they were still almost 100 kilometers away from the destination. With no choice, they pulled off the road and entered the nearest city, which happened to be Hadera, a city that hugs Israel's Mediterranean coast. At first, they considered spending the holiday camped out in their car. Even if they were alone, they had plenty to eat, but they soon realized that such a plan would be impractical. Instead, they decided to see if they could find a family who would be able to host them for the holidays. Excuse me, said Mrs. Goldberg to a boy sitting in the courtyard of a nearby building. Is there a family in this building that is celebrating this Passover in the traditional way? Sure enough, the boy indicated that there was such a family who lived on the first floor of the complex. The Denmark family. Mrs. Goldberg knocked on the door with her heart in her throat, hoping that she and her son would at least have a place to stay for the holiday. Hi, she said nervously to the woman who opened the door with a surprised look on her face. My son and I got stuck in traffic, and it's almost Passover. Would you perhaps be able to put us up for the holiday? Um, sure, I guess so. I mean, let me ask my husband, replied Mrs. Denmark, and then disappeared down the hall. Moments later, she returned and said, You're welcome to stay with us. It will be a bit tight, but we'll be happy to have you. I just need to warn you that our family is on a very strict vegetarian diet, so you might find the food somewhat different from what you're used to. Food, exclaimed Mrs. Goldberg. I have enough food in the car to feed 35 people. Come, let me bring the pans inside so at least we could get into the refrigerator before everything spoils in the car. The Denmark family watched in amazement as a seemingly endless parade of fish, meat, salads, and chicken soup made its way into their humble home. After the soup had been placed on the stove, the pan stacked on the hot plate, and the holiday candles lit, the woman began chatting. I want you to know, revealed Mrs. Denberg, that a miracle just took place in our home. I wasn't exactly truthful before, she said. We aren't really vegetarians. We are just very, very poor. My husband and I have been out of work for some time, and we are under tremendous financial pressure. In order to explain to the kids why pita and hummus has become our meal for breakfast, lunch, and supper, we decided to tell them that we were experimenting with a new vegetarian diet. We have nothing at all for Passover and we're not the kind to stick our hands out and beg. We decided to have our Seder over at Chabad, where we knew we would not be expected to give a donation, but we had no idea what we would do for the rest of the holiday. As the day passed and the pantry remained stubbornly bare, I asked my husband, what will we do for Passover? He looked at me calmly and just said, Don't worry. God can help us with the blink of an eye. I cannot say I was comforted, 
but what I chose, what other choice did I have? This morning I asked him again, and he said that he had faith in God and that he was sure everything was going to work out. This afternoon I broke down crying. Even if we miraculously get ingredients, there's not enough time to cook them. I sobbed in the safety of our room, where the children would not see me. If God wants us to send, if God wants to send us Passover food, and I'm sure He will, He can make sure that it's cooked and warm. Was her response. On one hand, I was touched by His face, but it was also maddening. Was He making fun of me, or was He just naive? Now, just minutes before candlelighting, God sent you with a car full of delicious Passover food, enough for us to celebrate just like we had in years past. Now the story was told by Rabbi Yochanan Butman of Chabad of Hadera. It did not end there. Mrs. Goldberg made it her personal business to discreetly help the Dedberg family, and they made substantial progress on the road to financial stability. So the Denmark family actually, actually got much better Uh, financially, after that story, which is which is an amazing story, and it's just this kind of story that we have to keep in mind as we enter the Passover, as we enter the Passover season, we have to remember that we are very fortunate to be living in the freedom that we're living in. A lot of us are living in financial freedom. A lot of us are living in 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 political freedom. A lot of us are living in economic freedom. And we have to be very, very happy and very, 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 very grateful for the freedom we're living in. And it's all part of the Passover story, isn't it? Celebrating freedom. Not everybody is living in this kind of freedom. I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Feel free to call in one 669 1292 that's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Sheldon Freed and Mark David are taking the night off. They will be back uh, when we return with new live shows after Passover. So uh, they'll be back after Passover. But right now they're taking the week off. Uh, I'm here with you, and uh, feel free to call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Now, as I as I stated before, uh, I'm not so sure. Uh, well, I know at least one of them is a Passover song. I'm not so sure the second one's still a Passover song. We'll we'll keep trying though. Uh, I wanted to keep Passover music throughout the entire show, but uh, it's not that easy because sometimes, uh, well, sometimes you run out of it, and there isn't that much of it. So uh, let's let's try this one. Uh, this one here, I know for sure, is probably a Passover song, and the one after this, well, we'll find out, right? I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show. Feel free to call in one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. It's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two.
the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292. So I've been spending the uh, last little while sharing some inspirational stories about Passover with you, uh, hoping that that perhaps this could put us into the into the mood of Passover um, and help us uh, help us get ready for the Passover holiday. Uh, this is the story of four boxes of shmormatza. The first box arrived at the home of a friendless middle-aged accountant who lived alone and whose sole companions were his tank of tropical fish. Since tropical fish were not known as big talkers, our accountant often sat at home at night listening to radio and wondering. He remembered going to the door that afternoon to pick up his mail. When he opened the door, a cardboard box fell at his feet. At first he thought it was a medium-sized pizza that had been wrongly delivered to his home. But when he opened it up and saw the letter inside, a smile came to his face, a rare one for the time in his life, and he said a special thanks to Rabbi Smutkin just for remembering him. The next afternoon, the friendless little accountant again went to the door to collect his daily portion of occupant mail. Again, when the door opened, another cardboard box fell at his feet. He examined it closely, and again, he found it was Shmuramatsa from the Lubavitch house. Strange, he thought, one box was nice, but two seems a little extravagant on the rabbi's part. Maybe Lubavitch had a little more money than I think, he said to himself. Perhaps I've been giving in excess. I've been giving in excess. He noted in his accountant-like brain. The afternoon after that... Our sad accountant again went to the door for his mail. This time he noticed a certain trepidation in his step, a slight hesitation as he opened the door. You guessed it, and fell another box of shmormatsa. Now you might understand that this accountant knew a thing or two about computers, so he thought his initial thought though was that maybe he was in some sort of Hasidic computer loop, like when the government forgets that it sent you a tax refund and then decides to send you the same tax refund every two weeks for the rest of your life. Why, he pondered, couldn't I just get into a government refund loop instead of a shmore muscle loop? Just my muzzle, he said to himself. Everybody else gets money when there is a mistake. I get matzah. That afternoon after that, he went as his usual to get his mail, opened the door, and you guessed it, in fell a fourth box of shmore matzah. Smudger has tried to tell me something, our accountant thought to himself, but what could it be? Four boxes of shmore matzah had to be a sign. It was like the four questions, only more expensive. Our little friend pondered, what should I do? What should I do? Finally, after excessive soul-searching, he decided to do exactly as Rabbi Smutkin would have done, to give the shmormats away. Since he didn't know many people, he gave, it away to two of the bo- he gave two of the boxes away to people at work, one to a Jewish woman who had married a Christian, and one to a Jewish man who had married a non-Jewish woman. The third box he took with him to his setter dinner, and the fourth he kept for himself. The little accountant's setter dinner was most depressing. His father's wife was quite ill and could barely sit at the table. Her days were not to be long, it seemed to all assembled, who nodded amongst themselves with little knowing looks. When it came time to display and taste the matzah, the accountant's stepmother brightened up. Who brought the shmur matzah to the setter, she asked, rather strongly, everyone thought. Why, I did, responded the little accountant. I really want to thank you, she said. Every day to me now is very precious, and with this unexpected gift, you have done the impossible. You have made this day somehow even more precious to me than usual. Everyone was beaming at the table, and somehow a very sad, distant night had turned into a very close-knit one. 
Rabbi Smotkin is doing something right when he gives this matzah away, the accountant thought to himself. Three days later, when he returned to the office, the man he had given the matzah to approached the accountant almost before he had a chance to have his morning coffee. You know, he said, that special matzah you gave me for Passover. It had a rather profound effect on my wife, who's not only Jew, who's not, who, who's not only isn't Jewish, but she's not even very religious. We don't have a seder at my house on Passover anymore. But I passed out your matzah, and she was fascinated by it. She could not believe how ancient it looked, and she said I gave her a feeling of connection with a past that she barely knew existed. And you know what's really surprising? She made me take down our dusty, unused Bible, and that very night, it happened to have been before Passover Eve, she had me read the entire story of Exodus out loud to her and the kids. You know, women never cease to amaze me. Well, that's just astounding, the little accountant thought. It's hardly a converse, It's hardly a conversion, but this program of Rabbi Smotkin's clearly had an effect on the most unexpected of fashions. He walked slowly towards his office when the Jewish woman who married the Gentile virtually accosted him in the hall. I really want to thank you for the matzah you gave me for Passover. You know, every year my daughter and husband uh, and I go to my parents' house for a semi-setter. It's really just a meal because my husband isn't that much interested. When our daughter opened the matzah box at the house and gave everyone a piece, and she read the rabbi's letter that came with the matzah out loud. You know, my husband said to me, she really likes the service stuff. And he agreed to let me send her to Hebrew Sunday school. Before that night, he was against the whole idea. I don't know what changed his mind, but I think the rabbi's matzah had something to do with it. Needless to say, I was in a state of shock from all these revelations. I had no small feelings of guilt about hanging my own box. Look at the good I could have done someone else if I had given Rabbi Smutkin's matzah away. But then I remembered how I felt when I got my first box. I was kind of glad I had set it aside. See, these stories are, are inspirational stories. They, 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 they show how you, could, how you could incorporate the Passover story into your own life, the Passover tradition into your own life. Now, I know I said before that, you know, I, um, that, that you know, Jews who, um, Jews who, who don't uh, practice Judaism or Jews who say they don't believe in God aren't Jewish. Uh, and and I, I strongly believe that. Jews that don't, that don't believe in God can't be Jewish. They've eliminated themselves from the Jewish people. But at the same time, at the same time, they've removed themselves, but they are part of the tribe. And being part of the tribe means that they could always reconnect. So I, I'm not saying write them off. I, I'm saying that maybe a small gesture, maybe something, uh, something like Rabbi Smotkin's uh, Shmur Matzah, might be a solution for some of these people to reconnect with their, with their heritage. Now, I'm not saying it's going to make them believe in God, and once again, not believing in God kind of removes you from Judaism. But at the same time, it might help them reconnect with the tradition. And by reconnecting with the tradition, they might realize that God exists and God is great. That's possible. Is it probable? Who knows? But it's definitely a possibility. And, and that's what we really have to aim for. Because in this godless, secular world that we live in, it is impossible to ask people to keep a tradition that they don't understand and they don't want to keep. We live in a godless world. We have to, re- we have to bring God back into this world. The concept of God, the idea of God, has to be brought back. And it's only you and I that can do it. Howie Silberger is the Howie Silberger Show. Right here on the True Talk Radio Network, once again, we are still uh, trying to play Passover music. 
Uh, I'm not sure this is, but uh, if it is, it is. If it isn't, well, it's a good song anyway. I'm Howie Summerger. If you want to call in, one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. It was right before the Shabbos When our baby arrived After having four sons now Our little daughter made five Mr. and Mrs. Collada Will now have one child more I told my wife what I named her She almost fell on the floor I said, Benita Collada up at the Torah in Shul I didn't think for a moment Cause the name was so cool My list had 12 amazing boys' names All handpicked by my mate But now I'm going to suffer For such a silly mistake Don't you jump to no conclusions They told me they were so sure That this would be another boy now Just like the cute little sons I had before Tell me what were you thinking My lovely wife still complains That poor baby did nothing To have deserved such a name You said Benita Collada up at the Torah in Shul You didn't think about the future You thought the name was so cool You should have stopped the rabbi there and then Say I must check with my wife Or else I'm going to suffer And for the rest of my life Standing underneath the chutzpah On her happiest day I looked across to my daughter And she had something to say I'm so happy to be here But one thing is a shame Of all the things I'll be changing I'll miss my old last name She loved Benita Colada Said it right there in shul My wife now sees the future And that the name's really cool I named my little girl Benita then Without the help of my wife Now I'm going to remind her For the rest of her life <laughs> Because the whole Colada family loves each other 
my brother dear Though I never knew you so well You had a grace all to yourself That those around you fell We all stopped and listened When you whispered your melody You were my holy brother You were reaching out to me And it seems to me You lived your life Like a candle in the night With the melodies and the stories That still shine so bright And that's how we got to know you The sweetest of them all The candle burns bright in our hearts A legend evermore Opened up your home your heart to all who came to see the man who went around the world and how the legend came to be let your people singing and to this day your songs don't skip a beat we see them as more than musical mama's sweetest of the sweet To me, you lived your life like a candle in the night With the melodies and the stories that still shine so bright And that's how we got to know you, the sweetest of them all The candle burns bright in our hearts, a legend evermore My brother dear Though I never Knew you so well You had a grace all to yourself But those around you fell Goodbye Rebbe Shlomo From the young and also from the old Our children have learned to love you too From the stories they've been told To me, you lived your life like a candle in the night With the melodies and the stories that still shine so bright And that's how we got to know you, the sweetest of them all The candle burns bright in our hearts, a legend evermore This is the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Call 1-877-669-1292.
All right, as we move into the last couple of minutes of the show, I want to thank you so much for hanging in there with me, for being here, and for uh, for listening, for being part of the Howie Silberger Show uh, experience right here on the True Talk Radio Network. I am really, really happy that you decided to join me. Uh, once again, this has been a holiday episode of the Howie Silberger Show. It's the Passover episode. Um Mark David and Sheldon Eric Fried will be back next episode, which will probably be in about uh, two, two and a half weeks. Uh, we'll be back on the air again here with you on the Howie Silberger Show. If you want to contact me, you can do so. My email address is howie at truetalkradio.com. But even easier than that, just go to Facebook and uh, search for the Howie Silberger Show on Facebook and just like the show. And then you can send me messages through there and uh, I will answer them a lot quicker than I'll answer your emails. Guarantee that. Uh, and, of course, um, you could always be part of the Howie Silberger Show experience by downloading the app at truetalkradio.com and being part of the uh, the experience there. Uh, you could download the uh, podcast from your favorite podcast uh, download site. So uh, just go somewhere that you uh, normally would get a podcast and search for the Howie Silberger Show. And we should be listed there. We're listed in pretty much all the podcast, um, pretty much all the podcast uh, servicing all the podcast servicing services. Is that really the way you say it? It's the way I'll say it. <laughs> We're listed in all the podcast servicing services. So feel free to uh, to go and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Download the app. Be part of the Howie Silberger Show experience because uh, uh, we, we enjoy it. We love, we love when you're part of the experience. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Uh, I'm going to close off the show tonight with, uh, with music because I think... Um, as we go into the holiday season, we, we, we should just relax and chill out and enjoy some of the great music that we have here on the Howie Silberger Show. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't normally play that I play tonight, and uh, I want to continue that tradition because I think this is a, um, it's a great opportunity to be inspirational. We must, uh, we must be inspired and must learn and must uh, relax before the holidays. So I bid you a happy and healthy holiday, and I'm really hoping that... Um, and that your holiday is as great as mine will be. Until next show, I bid you a happy holiday. Don't forget to like the show on Facebook. I'm Howie Silberger's The Howie Silberger Show, right here on the True Talk Radio Network.
his goals We can't take too much longer You know Observant Jew, God 
did not answer my prayers He just did not come through So it must be that there is no God On this world today If there ever was He's not here now He must have gone away This was another soul Lost from the very start The only words to say To help you understand Then maybe one day God would take you by the hand Then the laws that were received on Sinai would be clear And you'd follow them and realize That the answer is right song and leave you with some hope but the truth is that these problems are difficult to cope my friends the only thing that we can do is hope and pray that the messiah will arrive soon and show us the right way and all the jews will stand together when the time has come And say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. There are so many souls lost from the very start. The only words to say come right from the heart. If only we'd have teachers to help us understand. Then maybe one day we would take God by the hand. On Sinai would be clear And we'd follow them and realize That the answer is right
shouted for everyone to hear We'd like to learn all there is to learn We'd like to know all there is to know We've got this feeling that is coming through real strong It's the start of something big, we can't be wrong Jewish Speak!